You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. The big debate. You know, I think it's interesting, depending on who you talk to of who they thought did well. So, but a couple of highlights that come out, um, I do want to play some of the highlights from it. One of the things is just the fact that I thought Nikki Haley did very well. Uh, in the Boston Globe, they have a write-up. They thought Mike Pence got an A+. I didn't see that, but apparently, you know, he's really going for Iowa. So some people thought Pence was strong. Uh, they also, the Boston Globe thinks that Chris Christie did well. I didn't, I didn't think he did that great. But um, obviously, one of the stars of the night, without question, whether people liked him or not, was Vivek Ranswamy. And he... I was listening to some discussions afterwards, and they actually made a point like he was a proxy for President Trump. President Trump was missed by the debate. I think he will be on stage for the next one. But there's even, they're playing out that Vivek rhymes with Cape, Von Swam, Ron Swamy might, might actually, that could become the ticket of him and President Trump. So, but I want to go through some of the highlights. I thought Nikki Haley helped herself. Asia Hutchinson, nothing. The guy from South Dakota, nothing. Tim Scott, whiffed um DeSantis again depends on who you talk to I, th I thought he did okay um <clears throat> a lot of pressure on him Vivek was very very impressive he was you know some people would that have met him were telling me watch how well he's going to do in the debate and they were right so I want to play some of the sound of the debate and uh and a lot of it's going to include Vivek Wanswami Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change oh, whoa, agenda whoa, whoa, whoa. is a That's hoax. Just ridiculous. The climate change agenda is a hoax. And we have to declare independence for it. And the reality is, the anti-carbon agenda is the wet blanket on our economy. And so the reality is, more people are dying of bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate change. Now that is, I, I'm telling you right now, that is not going to play well with young people and there were some polls being done or actually focus groups and it doesn't play well with women so he certainly had that opinion to himself and then there was this back and forth with him and uh nikki haley you want to go and defund israel Just, you want to okay, get let me address that i'm glad you, you brought that up i'm going to address each of those right now You know, she, um, that was a big, I thought it was a big night for Nikki Haley. I think she gets some bounce out of it. I did watch it. Uh, the Fox moderators at times seem to have trouble trying to maintain control of the debate without question, but by and large, um, I think we're farther along. I th I thought Chris Christie was just really flat. I didn't think Pence was that great, but apparently, again, Iowa is where he's planning on doing well. And some people thought he showed fire, good temperament. I just find his style a little slow. I I thought Governor DeSantis. I thought he had a good night, and I thought Nikki Haley had a good night. Vivek Swami, um, he certainly has, uh, you know, he, he is rising in the polls. And he, I, I, I'll be curious to see how well he does when he's on the same stage with President Trump. So I think that's, I think it's interesting. They were basically calling him almost like a proxy for President Trump and that the, the, you know, the MAGA crowd, so to speak, that they were all, you know, really on board with him. Let me play. This is a piece on the uh, first Republican debate newcomer, entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy, became a top target. Overnight, a heated and combative Republican debate. Eight candidates facing off for the first time and not holding back. I'm 
the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for. Going back and forth being childish is not helpful to the American people to decide on the next leader of our country. This is exactly why Margaret Thatcher said, if you want something said, ask a man. If you want something done, ask a woman. But the candidate drawing the most attention and criticism, Vivek Ramaswamy, the 38-year-old entrepreneur and fierce defender of Trump, recently seeing a rise in the polls. I'm not sure I exactly understood Mike Pence's comment, but I'll let you all parse that out. For me, it's pretty simple. That's something a U.S. president can do with focus, and I'll deliver on well, it. Well, let me explain it to you. Let me explain it to you, if I can. I'll go slower this time. We don't need to bring in a rookie. We don't need to bring in people without experience. It was Ramaswamy's first debate. You have no Let foreign me. policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The, it the foreign policy experience that you have. The businessman tried to address his lack of political experience early on. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name, and what the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? I'll tell you, I'm not a politician. That line later called down by former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. But the candidate who earned the center spot on the stage, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, did not stand out from the rest of the pack. Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement. The sparring on stage ranged from foreign policy to clashing over abortion restrictions. But just to be clear, Governor, would you sign a six-week ban federally? I'm going to stand on the side of life. I am on the record, and I stand behind that we should not have a federal abortion ban. We need to stop demonizing this issue. But there was some consensus. Nearly every single candidate agreed former Vice President Mike Pence did the right thing on January 6th. DeSantis ready to move on. I kept my oath to the Constitution that day. There's no more important duty. So answer the question. I've answered this before. So yes. Why are we? Mike Mike did his duty. I got no beef with him. But here's the thing. Is this what we're going to be focusing on? I'm relieved. Going forward, the rehashing of this. About an hour into the debate, the focus turned to the candidate who was not on the stage, the front runner, former President Donald Trump now facing four indictments and 91 charges. Would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. Almost all of the candidates eventually raising their hands. Whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. This is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Christie was booed multiple times for going after the former president. Trump skipping this debate entirely, releasing a pre-recorded interview instead. As his rivals look to get back out on the campaign trail today, Trump will expect it to surrender to authorities in Georgia. I thought I, I thought Christie was flat. I thought he was flat. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. At Med Urgent Care, walk-in urgent care center, all your medical needs. They're open seven days a week, doctors and nurses. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. Again, they're open seven days a week. At Med Urgent Care, when you need urgent care, Without the wait now, when I've been in that situation and I needed urgent care, that's where I went. If you want to go to an emergency room and have a long wait, well, you're free to do that. Otherwise, do what I did. Go to AtMed Urgent Care. Whether it's work-related, maybe someone's not feeling well, someone needs stitches, whatever it may be. AtMed Urgent Care, comprehensive outpatient urgent care facility. There's two locations, one near you. Johnston, right in the Atwood Medical Center, and also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. That's right across from Felicia's. When you need, and I need urgent care, you want AtMed Urgent Care. Again, two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston in the Atwood Medical Center, and 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich. Seven days a week, doctors and nurses, AtMed Urgent Care. 
You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, which is DePietro.com. Boy, the CD1 race, we have less than two weeks to go. Gabe M.O., he's releasing a statement saying he's now jumped to number two in the polls behind Aaron Ruggenberg. Sabina Matos is tied for third with Sandra Cano. But someone who's really facing some problems now is the Jamestown businessman, Don Carson, uh, Carlson, excuse me, Channel 12 with the investigative report on the story that, according to them, Don Carlson tried to stop. Target 12 investigator Tim White is very explosive. Exclusive details. Don Carlson was an economics professor at Williams College. In 2019, school officials were told of interactions he had with a graduating senior that they felt were inappropriate. Inflation is back under control. Unemployment is down. Don Carlson is one of 12 Democrats vying to replace David Cicilline in Congress. A multimillionaire, Carlson has funneled $600,000 of his own money into his campaign and is one of just a handful of candidates on the air with TV ads. So what we really need to do is to... Before entering politics, Carlson worked as a lawyer, a venture capitalist, and as a professor at Williams College, a top school out in western Massachusetts. Now, a weeks-long Target 12 investigation has discovered in 2019, Williams informed Carlson he would not be welcome back to teach at the school moving forward. The directive came after an episode that happened at the end of the 2018-2019 academic year. Carlson's interaction with the senior was reported to Williams officials by another student who felt it was inappropriate. Target 12 has learned no formal complaint was filed with the school. A spokesperson for Williams declined to answer specific questions about the episode but said in a statement we respond to allegations in a way that considers both the individual's wishes about whether and when to file a formal complaint and our responsibility to protect our educational environment from harassment or discrimination target 12 repeatedly reached out to the carlson campaign for comment on this report beginning last week several people representing carlson initially said they would only talk off the record about what happened at Williams. The campaign then refused to answer emails, texts, and phone calls for several days. On Tuesday, a spokesperson for Carlson sent a statement neither admitting nor denying Target 12's findings, claiming instead WPRI has repeatedly refused to provide the campaign with the specifics of each of the allegations it intends to report, and we're not going to respond to rumors and unnamed third-party sources. Hours later, a Washington, D.C. attorney sent a letter asking 12 News not to air this report, saying there was no formal Title IX complaint, a formal investigation or any formal findings of wrongdoing on the part of Mr. Carlson. Again, we did provide the Carlson campaign with the specifics of our findings last week, and Carlson ignored our offer to sit down for an interview. With the Target 12 investigators, Tim White, 12 News. Now, a couple things about this. Obviously, uh, he's the businessman, so they try to— I think there's several things that are interesting about this report. Number one was his campaign— continuing to try to have an off-the-record discussion with Channel 12. Uh, I want to give credit to Tim White and Channel 12. They would not engage in that. This is something that you run into because once it goes off the record, then you can't report on it. Trying to persuade someone to go off the record can be a way, you know, and I know sometimes people think, one time someone who had no idea of the process said something along the lines akin to there's no such thing as off the record that's completely false anyone that says something like that is someone that is is doesn't engage in that or is unfamiliar with it something like this channel 12 was smart to be very very cautious how they were going to engage with communication he's a businessman what do you do you start hiring attorneys and they were trying to get channel 12 to bury the story this should uh, line up a very interesting dynamic when Channel 12 holds their debate. So now, as I mentioned, Gabe M.O. has released polling information. Right now, the Congressional District 1 race, according to Gabe M.O., Aaron Regenberg, 28%, who I've been telling you is the front runner. Gabe M.O., 18%. Sabina Matos, 
11%. Sandra Cano, 11%. And Don Carlson, who was just featured in that, at 8%. So in order for uh, Gabe and Mo, and then the rest of them all fill in, uh, Casey and then um, some of the other, John Gonzalez and all the other various ones are even they're below the eight percent threshold but that gave him oh he's he's very impressive and he now i have no idea about his mail ballot operation but 10 points behind regenberg carlson now will go down and fade a little bit with the story he didn't need that type of thing even though he's all over television um it's gonna hurt him it's gonna hurt him on turnout Matos continues to plummet. So the question is, can he catch Regenberg? Regenberg's got Bernie Sanders coming in this weekend. I'm not sure he can. But this this is kind of the way that I've been seeing the race shake out. And it does come out that way, that Matos is basically plummeting right now. And as I had said, she may end up finishing fourth here. Now, there's two televised debates. And Gabe M.O. needs to dominate and really do well and make the case against Aaron Regenberg. But then it all comes down to that mail ballot, ballot harvesting operation. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement. Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252. AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement. Frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall, Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401 323 9252 what a difference beautiful walls and ceilings 401-323-9252 you can also find them on facebook it's aj drywall plaster and home improvements for your home or business make sure to find the john DePietro show facebook page and you can watch all the action on the scene live stream follow it all real time live stream just follow john dipetro's show right there on the facebook page the coesed inn 226 coesed avenue west warwick delicious food and drink they have a great bar area always a dependable menu whether you're going to eat there or take out a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Look for them online. You can also find them on Facebook. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, always a good time at the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. We continue with Dan McGowan, columnist of the Boston Globe on the John DePietro Show. Dan, let's uh, talk CD1. Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos has a press conference she has with her Nick Oriello, who, by the way, doesn't live in CD, <laughs> CD1. So she's sleeping on the sister's couch in, in CD1 because she, the lieutenant governor, lives in her, in her home, supposedly, um, in CD1. And then you have Nick Oriello. What would you make of the, the press conference where basically they're encouraging, if you don't have a shot, to drop out of the race and support her? Well, on, on one hand, I agree with them in the sense that the people who don't have a shot shouldn't be in, in this race. I don't know that they should be endorsing her. Um, you know, I, I, you and I have talked about this for a long time, and and I think you and I are on the same page on this. There are just, you know, these debates, which is the most important thing kind of to, I think, get information out to voters. Um, when you do these eight, nine, 12 person debates, you just actually don't accomplish anything. And, and what no. ends up happening is like in the interest, by the way, it's, it's the right thought from journalists, but in the interest of being fair, 
you end up letting people that have no chance of winning dominate the conversation. Right. So, so I actually agree with them, you know, that people should drop out of this race. Um, The the thing about it is, is it falls on deaf ears. Look, Nick Audiello was never a serious candidate in this race for Congress. Uh, And, and then, and he did the right thing. He saw that he ran out of money. He dropped out. Now, you know, the idea was two weeks ago that he, you know, is, is somehow this power broker. I mean, this is not Brett Smiley endorsing Jorge Lorza. That's right. right. That's this exactly is, right. This is like Chris Young endorsing Jorge Lorza yeah. or something. Or, or something. That's probably not as fair. But, you know, this is a, a fringe candidate who is an, in, uh, an inconsequential know. candidate. I mean, 100 percent. Yeah. I mean, so I, I don't know what that was all about. Um, well, it, it shows you, far, it, John, it shows ahead. you where it shows you where Sabina yeah. You know, is in this race. Unfortunately, you know they're in a spot now where their their strategy has had to change dramatically. From we're going to run the easiest campaign you could ever run. There's all this money out there for us. Emily's list, the laborers. We're going to run this campaign where we're not going to talk to anybody. uh, Meaning, not going to talk to the press. We're going to lay low. We're going to run this very straightforward TV advertising campaign and if not for the signature scandal it might have worked she probably would have won she had the most name recognition you know those kind of things now you get your back up against the wall nobody knew what they were you know no one had a plan b and now plan b with two weeks to go is throw everything at the wall and try to you know continue to uh, i think show strength even if all evidence points to the contrary Dan McCowan, i um what did you make of the fact that when she was asked at the debate last night about her own press conference, she seemed unprepared for the question, and then she didn't fully seemingly understand the question? Because they weren't saying, you know, if she should drop out. The, the question was, is it a form of weakness? Yeah. I, I just – what would you make of that? It's, it's <laughs> if either she doesn't take it seriously or she actually doesn't understand the question. Well, I'll go one further. What I think it actually, what my read on it was, I think this is a class, this is the case of Sabina Matos, right, has, has worked herself into a, uh, a fit, let's say, of, yep. you know, believing kind of everyone is out to get her, right? She thinks the media has been too harsh. She thinks her opponents have been mean. She thinks the Jamestown Board of Canvassers, you know, must have had some sort of agenda against her. Um, and then you look at this, and I think, she, she probably did have a coherent answer. I mean, she, she's, she's certainly smart enough and, and has the campaign team around her. They obviously did debate prep. They knew that, that this kind of question was going to come. But I think she actually, you know, immediately jumped to, wait a minute, you're telling me I should drop out of the race? Or, and she almost wanted to push back on that, that she, she got so sort of worked up that she, she actually missed the question uh, almost entirely. Um, and I think it is, it's a sign of a campaign that, you know, no, Sabina Matos isn't, again, isn't dumb. She, she looks at this as, you know, this was, let's say on June 1st, you know, a, a pretty sure shot for her. And yeah. now, you know, in the middle of all, you know, end of August, it is, it's looking not only like she's not going to win, but, you know, there, there are campaigns, the, the high end campaigns in this race are telling us they think there's a chance that Vina Matos finishes fourth in this race wow. at this point, yeah. uh, you know, be, behind Regenberg, Amo, and, and Sandra Cano. Uh, Dan McGowan, and also just political instincts. She, To me, she's trying to say this race is between her and Aaron Regenberg. I'm not convinced that that's the case. But right there on the stage, the question is, give Dan McKee, Governor McKee, a grade. Ruggenberg, who I think gave kind of a good answer. We have history with this guy. I'm not going to give him an F because he's a Democrat, but D plus. This is a handed to her. She could then say, here's the difference between the two of us. He says F plus. I say A. And, and she whips and says, I'd give him an incomplete. See, to me, that's what it shows me, my opinion. That is someone just does not have good political instincts. That's my yeah, read on it. No, you're not wrong about this. I mean, right, the, the old Buddy Santy story of, you know, he became pro-life the minute his two opponents on, on the debate stage said they were pro-choice. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
when when you when you get the opening from you know the Aaron Regenberg gets to say you know gets to take his kind of licks at the the sitting governor um you know you have this opportunity by the way not just to be different from Aaron Regenberg although I'm not sure either of them are going to happen in this race right now that are still out there are Governor McKee right he's from the yeah. first district he's the sitting governor and Mayor yeah. Smiley in Providence right. you know and you need to make the case as best as possible. What that shows you is, look, there's this ongoing simmering issue between the lieutenant governor and the governor. It dates back to, you know, the Nicole Alexander Scott situation right. late last year. You saw last week where Governor McKee, you know, no yeah. fan of the local press suddenly is defending the local press. Right. That uh, you know, uh, with the congressman from New York. And, and so, you know, there is a, I, I think that that's a moment of too much pride from the Lieutenant governor where, you know, she says, you know, let, let's say incomplete. That was exactly a moment, even if you don't believe it, quite frankly, to say Dan McKee is my guy. Dan McGowan, uh, that gave ammo. He is really impressive. And it is too bad that they couldn't just have a debate. Uh, Sandra Cano seems to be, uh, how do you pronounce her last name? Seems to be getting a lot of uh, endorsements, and in, in there seems to be momentum with that campaign. But you're, you know, doing roadmap, pick the winner. I, I, I'm just, can, you know, can you convince me that Aaron Regenberg is not going to win this race? I mean, he's, again, I don't agree with issues, but he is so polished. He also saw the opportunity. Should uh, people under the age of 18 be allowed to vote? They all say no. Regenberg, <laughs> sure, why not? You know, that's smart. He, you know, he even said, go to Ukraine. He's got Bernie Sanders coming in. I believe he just seems like he's on another level when he was on that, when he's on the stage with the, with this crew. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he's, for, for somebody who's been out of the limelight, you know, for the most part, at least politically for the last couple of years, uh, you know, he's a much better candidate than he was uh, you know, four years ago, five years yeah. ago against against Governor McKee. You know, a lot of people thought that was a layup that, you know, you had a vulnerable, <clears throat> a vulnerable lieutenant governor and you had this kind of popular union backed state representative in, in Aaron Regenberg. But but, you know, if you talk to the people that, that paid very close attention to that race, Aaron made a lot of mistakes. He didn't debate well. You know, he, he picked some tough spots where the laborers didn't like him. The power plant being a good example um, and and made some mistakes. He just they just made a bunch of errors. Uh, this time it's been a much more polished campaign. <clears throat> he's he's very good on the debate stage uh, and he's got the message. I mean, I think Aaron Regenberg, if you were to give him the truth serum, he would say, yeah, you know, in a three way race, I might not win here. But with all these people in this field, if I can get into the 20s, uh, I probably win. And he's doing everything he can to focus on what gets him to that point. You know, yeah. you worry about the rest later. And he's the only one in this race with, I think, a, a very strong, uh, you know, base, which is why he's really, he, you know, which is why he is, I think every campaign at this point would say he is the leader, uh, you know, in the field. And what you have now happening kind of behind the scenes or in, in the case of Subino Matos in public is, You've got three campaigns, uh, Sandra Cano, uh, the, set, the state senator, Gabe Amo for sure, and Sabina Matos all saying to everybody who will listen, look, I'm the only person that, that actually can beat Aaron Regenberg, and that is, that's exactly what he wants. Let them fight for the next two weeks, and, and you know what's going to happen? It's going to be you know, 24, 18, 15, 10, or something like that, and that's how you win this race. If, if nobody coalesces, and now we're – know early voting is underway mail ballots are already out it's gonna it, you are not gonna get a situation in this race where uh, i go i keep going back to it where brett smiley endorses jorge alors it's just too right. late remember that it happened is. that happened six weeks before the right. primary you know back in back in 2014 now we're we're in the heat of things and all these candidates have too much pride i think the thing about it is is that if you're gay bamo if you're sandra cano especially as long as you finish in the top three here, you have a great case to make. Nobody, sure. I, you know, nobody knew who I was. I came in the top three. Maybe I run next year against Regenberg in a primary. So, you know, none of these campaigns have any reason to kind of to, to, you know, to certainly not to drop out. Um, and then the lower tier camp campaigns are so, uh, quite frankly, insignificant yeah. uh, that none of their endorsements would really matter anyway. Yeah. No, and some of the um, it, it's incredible. Some of the 
mistakes that are made and lack of preparation. I just, um, boy, it, 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 it's very tough on the field like this. Now, folks, also in the Boston Globe, heartbreaking loss, but a great run by Smithfield. When you're playing up against a team that they can play baseball 12 months a year, <laughs> that, that becomes very difficult. And also, I noticed big name from ESPN has uh, become a new homeowner in Rhode Island. And so you can read about that as well. And Dan McGowan, if you'd be so kind to right now extend an offer and explain how can people can start to get roadmap. Yeah, and for folks out there, everything John and I talk about ends up every morning in my uh, daily newsletter roadmap and very simple, very free. Just send me a blank email, rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com. I'll sign you up. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Folks, he's Dan McGowan. Dan, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Talk to you next week, John. Thanks. It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Stop in and see Marie, that historic white church. Shop local, inside, all quality products, vitamins, herbal remedies, trusted companies. They understand quality, integrity. It's my health. It's all about your health. Local products. I say ye. Honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum. You know, they carry over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices that can be purchased by the ounce plus box herbs and teas, hemp and CBD products, and much more natural skincare products. Stop it and see Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. It's all about health for you, for your family. There's vitamins for children, all different types of teas, all different types of spices. Boy, what a difference it'll make. Shop local. Stop it and see the queen of health. It's Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland, diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant, right in that historic white church. It's all about health. It's all about your health at It's My Health. Remember to follow The John DePietro Show on YouTube. It's John DePietro Show on YouTube. Subscribe, which means you get notified whenever we post new videos. You find original content, video you can't find anywhere else. Subscribe today. It's free. It's the YouTube channel of The John DePietro Show. Listening to The John DePietro Show weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, which is dePietro.com. Joining us right now, he's a columnist with the Boston Globe, mainly focuses on Rhode Island. It is Dan McGowan. And Dan, uh, I'd like to ask you about and just start with that column you wrote that it would it would seem to be a uh, education a, a battle coming up regarding education funding between the state and between the uh, the city of providence yeah it, it you know it's one of these things that <clears throat> traditionally you would say like you know that that's not something that's going to drive the news cycle uh I, I wouldn't expect you to you know spend three hours quickly becoming this kind of ugly battle between Mayor Smiley's administration uh, and the state, you know, mostly Education Commissioner Infante Green. And the argument from the state is uh, they are saying that they are authorized to withhold $25 million in state aid uh, to the city of Providence uh, because the city hasn't lived up to its end of the takeover, basically the takeover deal which is to increase funding from the city side uh, to the, the Providence Public School Department. So, this, so the state is basically saying, the commissioner is saying, I want $25 million from you guys, or I'm going to withhold, you know, basically, uh, you know, car tax money or reimbursement money or uh, what, what's called distressed communities money, uh, which is just, you know, these are different pots of money that come from the state to various to you know all to all cities and towns, um, and especially the city of Providence. The, the thing about this is, is this has been a you know a question within the takeover for you know since the beginning for, for four years now four and a half years now. But the 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 bad blood I guess I would say is really boiling. The 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 Department of Education did not want this to spill out into public. You know my phone yesterday after my column ran. The, the immediate thing that happened, everyone wants to know who's your source as though public documents are, you know, aren't, right. aren't out there. Uh, and you, when, and John, you've done this longer than I have. 
when when people start to freak out about who your source is, you know you've got something good uh, yeah. because th- that means everybody's you know very upset about it. So uh, this is kind of you know spilled out to the public. Um, right now, all the state is saying is you know we we're going to withhold seven million dollars from the city, so it's not all the way up to twenty five, but they have the right to withhold twenty five. The state or the city is saying, wait a minute, you know, you've seen enrollment go down pretty significantly um, during this takeover. It's going to continue to go down because charter schools are expanding and things like that. You know, we can't afford to be able to do this. Uh, And they're saying, you know, they're not using the word bankruptcy, but they're saying this will severely hurt the city's, you know, bottom line. It'll force massive tax increase, things like that. Uh, and so this is a this is a fight that's going to, I think, play out for a little while. And it starts actually today. They'll be in court, uh, you know, just basically attempting to get a judge to say, no, you can't withhold that money. My guess is this is going to continue on for a while. It's not going to be something that's going to be resolved today, but we'll keep an eye on it. Jim McGowan, are you surprised? Uh, I mean, Mayor, Mayor Smiley, when he was the head of administration, you know, I, I just still can picture him standing up on the stage along with the education commissioner in Dante yeah. Green. So, are what, you know any thought to how you know it, it got to this where that they can't reconcile this? Well, you know what it is. In part, it is sort of that natural transition from mayor. The the last mayor, Mayor Lorza, you know, had the same kind of fight with the education commissioner. Now, she did, he didn't have the same relationship. You're right. You know, Mayor Smiley and uh, and Commissioner Infante Green are generally on the same page with things. Um, but what Mayor Lorza did was he said, you know what, we'll settle this argument, literally settle. We'll, we'll, we'll send some money, some extra money to the school district. Um, but it, it was all, you know, retroactive. It was all for the last couple of years of his administration didn't answer the question going forward. So essentially kicked it into the hands of Mayor Smiley. And I think there was this, a little bit of a stare down where I think, I think both sides kind of, uh, particularly the, the smiley administration, I think took that relationship that we're talking about um, maybe for granted a little, I think they didn't think that the state would want to, you know, kind of pick a fight with a new mayor who's considered pretty popular, who's got a lot of friends in the legislature and things like that. Uh, and the commissioner said, no, I want my money basically. Uh, so I, I'm surprised that it, that it's gotten this far because normally it's a thing that you would see would if you're if you're a you know bureaucrat in this state you don't want this spilling out into a dan mcgowan column you want it to be you know settled before anybody knows about it now everybody knows about it everybody's got an opinion on it in terms of you know people involved in the takeover uh and i think it's going to bubble up i think it's going to be something that's going to uh probably be addressed by the general assembly next year Uh, i think it's going to become a kind of a yeah i'm not not sure i would call it a war but it's certainly a battle right now in today's uh, edition of the Boston Globe, there's your colleague Ed Fitzpatrick. There's an extensive story about red boxing. And Dan McGowan, it's it's really come into play, obviously, in the CD1 race. You and I even talked about it. If you remember, it was last year when Nelly Gobeo was yes. accused of having that. And I'm, I'm just curious of, um, you know, your reaction and thoughts on, uh, you know, is this going to play a factor with the voters in and basically lieutenant governors outright calling Aaron Regenberg a liar? But I, I just don't know if. Well, what is your thought on whether or not it's it's actually landing here? I don't think it's landing. I mean, yeah. I, I, I got to tell you, you know, I've had people in the last couple of days. I mean, it's I suppose it's landing in the arg- in the sense that, you know, people are they're seeing the news coverage of it. But I've had people who who have been around politics for a really long time in Rhode Island reach out to me and say just flat out hey i don't understand what these people are talking about what right. what what do you what what is a red box me that's why i'm glad my colleagues Ed Fitzpatrick and Seth Machado did this kind of explainer to 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 go over it but you know essentially we're talking about something very in the weeds campaigns you know put up information on their on their websites that is free to use for super PACs, you know, uh, you know, organizations that will spend, uh, that, that have the legal ability to spend, you know, endless amounts of money um, on their preferred candidates, as long as they don't coordinate, right? That's the, that's the key, the, the, as long as they don't coordinate. Now, you, you know, I think any person with a straight face looks at this and says, 
wait a minute, Aaron Regenberg's, you know, father-in-law contributes $125,000 to a super PAC. How is that not coordination? Well, technically, you know, you'd have to, you'd have to find some real evidence, the contribution or the, 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 you know, family relationship is not actually enough. It would appear, uh, you know, you, right. you, potentially you would need, you know, subpoena power. Maybe you find text messages, emails, phone calls, things like that. Um, but right now, you know, it happens to be that, that a, you know, this information was on a website. Now here's where Aaron Regenberg gets into a little bit of trouble in our debate last week um, at Roger Williams university, you know, he basically flat denied that this, that this was even the case. Uh, he was not telling the truth. He admitted that I think yesterday in the journal debate, you know, he said he was a little, he, he, you know, he wished he chose his words a little better. The funny thing is, is that you look at the other campaigns, other campaigns are doing this too. Sabina Matos has you know, a yeah. version of this on her website. I think Gabe Amo has a version of this. I think it's very confusing to voters quite candidly. It's very confusing to, um, you know, to journalists and the people I think paying closest attention to this. And I don't think that kind of punch lands. I mean, it's a, that is, if you think about all the things that you'd like to really land a punch on with a politician two weeks ago before an election, I'm not sure it's, you know, this confusing campaign finance issue. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving, letter J, J. Perry Paving, high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable smooth safe to drive on aesthetically appealing asphalt can be recycled reused j perry paving a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs no matter how big how small contact them today for a free quote 401-732-1730 what a difference it makes for your driveway for your business parking lot j Letter J, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730, online at jperrypaving.com, and look for them on Facebook. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. So the CD1 primary, Congressional District 1, Cicilline left the seat so he can make an unusual amount of large money but anyhow so last night there it was online and when i was watching it there were like maybe less than 30 people watching um but it was the providence journal public radio there were island college and they have um all the different people on stage and it 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 just continues to the more and more you watch uh lieutenant governor sabina matos she's just i i can't folks she's so unimpressive she doesn't belong where she is i think i think this is a one and done i think after this maybe she could be re-elected lieutenant governor i don't think so after the signature scandal but her whole attitude they're just tone deaf. She had a press briefing earlier in the day, and they, there's no sense about them. There's no smarts. They have no good political instincts. She, if something isn't written out for her, she, she's, she's just terrible off the cuff. So the way that I see this race is Gabe Ammo, um, who's very impressive, by the way, whether people like him or not, Aaron Regenberg, I believe, is going to win this race. And <clears throat> people like this uh, Sandra uh, Cano, although I don't find her that impressive. I'll play some of it. But um, those seem to be the top four. And it's what's too bad is it's not Gabe Ammo against just Regenberg, those two. 
even if there were four of them. But I want to play, and I'll, I'll give you an example. So Lieutenant Governor Sabina Matos held a press briefing, press conference yesterday. She brings in this guy, Nick Ordiello, who is totally delusional. He is a terrible candidate. He's terrible at his feet. He had to drop out of the race. He had no money. He wasn't registering. He's just delusional. So so he calls a press conference saying not only should everyone drop out, but they should all back Sabina Matos. The two of them are just pathetic. So Ian Donis, one of the people questioning, says, you know, she called for you, everyone to drop out. Are you going to drop out and ask them down the line? Now, when he gets to Matos, he's going to change it up a little bit and say, the fact you're doing this, is this a sign of weakness? And she, I am telling you, I, I think she struggles sometimes to understand what these questions are. Not, not to be unfair, but remember, with Lieutenant Governor, it's English as a second language. And I think that comes into play far more than any. I hear all these people, you know, she's smart. She's, I don't see it. And I'm going to play a good example. This is, the question was, you calling a press conference, asking other people to drop out of the race, is that a sign of weakness? And she laughs and she doesn't, she can't even understand what the question is. So here's how it went last night. I don't want to leave you out is the fact that you're asking other candidates to drop out. Is this a sign of weakness for your campaign? I, I'm not going to be dropping out of the race. Is that the question you're asking me like everybody else? No, actually, the question that what I, what I said during the press conference is, if anybody drop out of the race, I would be the first one calling them, asking them for the support. That's actually not, and she thinks she answered the question. <laughs> I know it was a little light. That The question was, is that a sign of weakness? She laughs. Are, are you asking me if I'm dropping out? No, he wasn't asking you if you're dropping out of the race. He was asking the fact you're asking other people to drop out. Is that a sign that your campaign's in trouble? This is what I'm talking about. Now, you listen. They're asking a number of different questions. I thought the questions actually were fine. But one of the questions they ask is, what grade would you give Governor McKee? So now Aaron Ruggenberg, he lost to McKee in 2018 by 2,000 votes. And, you know, there's, to say there's bad blood between him and the governor is an understatement. So he, okay, maybe some of them aren't, ready for it but you're going to hear him answer it then there's this anna quizaro who again sometimes can be difficult to understand and then they come to matos so i'm going to play it ruggenberg you're going to hear he says uh you know he's not going to pretend there hasn't been problems between the two of them there's no like there at all uh and he gives him a D plus. You would think Matos would. You, you're looking for an opportunity to distinguish yourself from. She thinks that Regenberg is is her only opponent. I, I, I don't think she finishes second in this primary. I think she finishes third or fourth. But anyhow, it, it seems it would be easy. It's a chance to like rah rah, right? He he picked her, Governor McKee, like him or not. He picked her to be lieutenant governor. She's not here. If not for him, it's an easy answer. I give him an A plus. And let me tell you why I give him an A plus. Because we've been doing blah, blah, blah. A, B, C. Come on. She, I, I, I don't think she's that smart. So I want to play it. This is this was the, uh, the question last night. What letter grade would you give to Governor McKee for his job performance? A little laughter. We've got a bit of a history. Uh... I've had a lot of concerns recently. I'd give him a D plus. Ana Kosada. It's a hard question. I think it's too soon for yeah. us to give him a, a bad credit, but I think he can do better. Sabina uh, Matos. I think the job is not done yet, so I cannot give him a, a better grade. I think right now he's still doing the, the work. John Gans. You know, that, that is just absurd. 
again, I don't think they fully un- – first of all, it's not a hard question. Um, <clears throat> it comes out a lot. I, I think it's an easy answer. It's a chance to leap off that. Well, you know, let me explain what we've done and whatever accomplishments she's going to try to list and blah, blah. You know, I mean, it's the Chamber of Commerce speech here. She can't even do that. Listen, you, it's, you're not in a classroom, so it's not a real grade. You could, you could start on a job on a Monday, and by Friday, the, the boss gives you a make-believe grade. You know, this week, I got to say, I'd say A-, minus. you know. I, you have people do that after one day on a job. Uh, I, I'd have to say incomplete. What, I, she is just tone deaf. Tone deaf. Now, I also want to play. Um, there was a press, the press briefing I mentioned where she has this guy, Nick Oriello, who is completely clueless, totally delusional. Um, no, folks, what I'm talking about is they, they just they don't even realize that they have no idea what they're talking about. And but it certainly doesn't stop them. It certainly doesn't stop them from, you know, running for office or doing whatever. So this is this Nick Oriello, and he's standing at the Sabina Matos campaign headquarters and arguing everyone needs to get out of the race for her. And, and, and he, he has no support. Let me just play this. These people are just delusional. Confronted with challenging information's first instinct was to lie. Vote for Aaron Regenberg. If you want a candidate who has overcome adversity again and again and again, has led and has shown herself to be accountable and responsible, vote for Sabina Montes. For me, this is extreme. Her campaign is under criminal investigation. When when he's standing the next to her and says you want someone who's gonna lie, you easily could fill in the blank. You mean you mean the person with the had dead people signing the nomination papers? I think she's very unimpressive. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro show. Remember to log on to DePietro.com. We have original stories, original videos, also links to Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. Plus, you can get some great merchandise in the shop. Log on, dipetro.com. Propane Plus, call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on. On Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling, call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations, they're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, Propane Plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today. In Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. The Johnson family, three generations, heating and cooling. You can always depend on Propane Plus. Check out topetro.com. We have merchandise, all the shows, video, exclusive stories waiting for you right there at topetro.com.